TCU inadvertently leaked their schedule last night. We'll talk about it next on Locked On Orange Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, it is Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. I subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us today. So if you've been following the Big 12 schedule saga, um, they haven't released their schedule yet. It was announced on Monday that the schedule is going to drop at 1 p.m. on Tuesday. So if you're watching this, listening to this on Tuesday, um, it is officially dropped at 1 p.m. if you're listening or watching after that time. I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, and on Monday evening, um, I saw Jeff Mitchell, who uh, works with Hornfrog Blitz, post this on Twitter. Someone inadvertently posted the 2023 schedule online um, on the GoFrogs website, on TCU's website. Now, I don't know if there was miscommunication. I don't know if they jumped the gun. I'm assuming that it's the correct schedule because it was quickly deleted. Uh, but, you know, we, I took screenshots of it. Obviously, it was online, so people got a hold of it. It's been everywhere. So we're going to break it down today because it's out there. If it turns out being different, we'll talk about that on Wednesday. Uh, but I'm fairly certain that this is the correct schedule because, I mean, they wouldn't have just posted it for no reason. And it seems like it was... A mistake, which is unfortunate for them, but good for us who love content and love to talk about TCU football. Um, so your 2023 football schedule, Colorado at home, Nichols State at home, then Houston on the road uh, at U of H, and then the annual game with SMU on September 23rd. So your first four games, Colorado, Nichols State at home. Um, the Colorado game's fascinating. Like Coach Prime... Deion Sanders uh, has obviously brought a lot of energy to that program, brought in a lot of talent. Um, Kermani McClain, top DB in the country in 2023. He has committed to Colorado, expected to sign on Wednesday. Um, TJ Hunter from Jackson State, bringing over Shador Sanders, his son, who played quarterback at Jackson State. They're turning over that whole roster. They're doing work in the portal as much as they can to get some talent up. And I think, I mean, they're going to be a much more talented football team than they were last year when TCU played them in Boulder. But I just believe TCU is going to obviously be a lot more polished, even with the young guys and all the roster turnover they have from the team that made the national championship game last year. And so I'm not super concerned about the season opener. You never know. There's always like season openers are always kind of a crapshoot because who knows what's going to happen. And this whole exercise is sort of absurd as a lot of things are when we talk about, you know, projecting and we talk about sports media, because I'm sure a lot of people looked at uh, TCU on their schedule last year and thought, Oh yeah, TCU, that's an easy win. And it didn't turn out to be that way. Right. They ended up going 12 and 0 in the regular season, beat Michigan in the college football playoff. Um, so these things can change, but I think you're getting Colorado at the right time. You're getting them first game with the new head coach. I'm sure they'll come out with a lot of energy and enthusiasm but TCU should handle business. Nickel State, that's your FCS opponent. Take care of your business. Then at Houston, um, you know, Houston's losing Clayton Toon, who quarterback there forever. Uh, Holgerson is fascinating. That experiment hasn't really worked out. 
You know, they've been a bowl team. There were higher expectations when he came over from West Virginia. Kind of a tough road trip. You know, sort of the first game you circle on the schedule and you say, all right, we're going to find out a little bit about this team going on the road. Uh, new quarterback, we assume Chandler Morris, new offensive line, some new starters on defense. Like, how do they handle a, a difficult road environment? Even though I imagine TCU will have a good turnout there with the alumni base in Houston. And then you play SMU at home on September 23rd, um, which I'm sure there'll be some juice because it's Sunny Dykes. But, you know, you should take care of business against SMU. West Virginia at home. Good to get them. Always better to get them in Fort Worth than going to Morgantown. That game's on September 30th. Then at Iowa State, tough road trip. Iowa State's turning over our coaching staff a little bit. They'll have a new offensive coordinator. That defense is always pretty salty. Um, that might be the first opportunity we get to see this offense. You know, if, if they're rolling pretty well early in the year against some bad defenses, that might be one that you say, okay, let's see how they do against a team that really knows what they're doing and, and can run a defensive front. Um, BYU at home. Significant that you get that game at home. That's on October 14th. And then you start a pretty brutal stretch. I mean, that first – those first seven games – Colorado, Nickel State, at Houston, SMU, West Virginia, at Iowa State. Five of your first – yeah, five of your first seven are at home. At home against BYU. And then you hit a gauntlet at K-State in Manhattan. Get a bye week. So I know a lot of you were concerned about bye weeks. Like last season, the bye week happened in early September. This year, the bye week is going to happen on October 28th. So you got to play – you know, you got to play over half the season back to back to back, but then you get some time off at Kansas state. And then at Texas tech in Lubbock on a Thursday night, which is always an adventure um, against Texas at home on November 11th, Baylor at home on November 18th at Oklahoma on November 24th. So, that five-game stretch in the season is absolutely brutal. At Kansas State, at Texas Tech. And then you get some home games. Texas at home, Baylor at home. But then at Oklahoma to end the season. That's going to be tough. I think there's a good chance, just based on what I know now, that this team could be like 6-1, and one, maybe 7-0. and oh, But it's really hard. Like, it's hard to go. It's hard to go undefeated. It's hard to just win game after game. I think though, you know, if I was if I was projecting right now, I feel like they'd be favored in their first seven games, but it's tough to win seven games in a row. It just is. We'll see how they do. But then you go at K State, at Texas Tech on that Thursday night, Texas and Baylor at home, at Oklahoma. That's gonna be tough. Now the crazy thing about the schedule too is you got 14 teams now. And so you're missing, you're gonna miss some of these teams. You're not gonna play some of these opponents. They don't play, um, they don't play Oklahoma State this year, which pokes are going to be, I think, in a rebuilding season. So unfortunate that you miss them. They don't play Kansas, which, you know, I feel pretty good. I would have felt pretty good about that game being at home, even though Lance Leipold is doing a great job. So you miss Oklahoma State. You miss Kansas. As far as the the new, uh, new teams go, you don't face off against Cincinnati and Central Florida this year. So kind of crazy. They're as far as I know, they're not doing divisions. They're not doing pods. It's just top two teams go to the conference title game, and so the schedule now makes a huge difference because where 
you know, in previous years, you knew you were playing every Big 12 team. And you just kind of looked at, all right, what's your road games? What's your home games? What's kind of the setup here? When's your bye week? Now it's different. Um, so missing Oklahoma State, missing Kansas could prove to be a disadvantage for this team this year because I think both those teams are going to kind of be in rebuilding mode. Overall, though, my biggest impression is that last five-game stretch is tough. Now you have a young football team. You have a lot of roster turnover. So maybe it benefits you that you're playing those games later in the season when hopefully you have a pretty good idea of what your identity is and what you're doing on offense and defense. However, that's still a really tough way to end the season. Hit me up in the YouTube comments. You can also hit me on Twitter. I'm at Simcox Steven. Uh, the show is at Locked on TCU. What are your thoughts on the schedule? When we come back, TCU basketball, tough weekend. Lose to Mississippi State. Also lose a player at least for some length of time. We'll talk about that next. Before we do that, though, I want to mention FanDuel. FanDuel is our new sponsor, our new partner. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports uh, betting fun and easy. If you're a new customer, join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed if you just place a $5 bet. It's a $5 bet, get $150. That's a pretty good deal. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's important. FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to the player props plus you can even combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay um and it's all on an app that's safe secure and easy to use don't miss out place your first five dollar bet to get 150 dollars in free bets win or lose fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel they are the official sports book partner of the national football league Okay, so uh, TCU basketball, they were on the road in the Big 12 SEC Challenge over the weekend. And um, overall, the Big 12 did well. They finished 7-3, and three, but TCU dropped their game, dropped that game to Mississippi State 81-74 to 74 in overtime. Uh, but the big news from this one was that Mike Miles went down with an injury four minutes into this game, had a weird situation, kind of, you know, fell, twisted his knee up, was holding his knee, was down in pain, looked really bad in the moment. Now, the, the news that came out, I think, was about as good as you could hope for as far as a knee injury goes. They said on Saturday that he hyperextended his knee. He had an MRI done on Sunday, and they said that it came back clean. There was no structural damage. He's still going to have to rehab. They don't have a timetable out yet, but they expect him to be out for a week or two, rehabbing this knee, trying to get back to full strength. Um, but he goes down. Eddie Lampkin was already out with that high ankle sprain from that Kansas game. And so immediately you're down, I mean, arguably your top two players. I don't know. Not Eddie's not your top second best player from a scoring standpoint, but he does a lot of good things on the floor. He plays good defense, high energy, gets a lot of rebounds. You know, one of the most significant bigs in your rotation. And then obviously we know how important Mike Miles is. So now Mike's going to miss some time. As far as the rest of the game, TCU was able to tie that game up um, and take it to overtime. They actually had a four-point lead with about two and a half minutes left. I thought they were going to get a victory, but they really struggled in the half court down the stretch on offense without Mike in the game. Um, Emmanuel Miller had 13 points. Damian Ball had 19 points. He led the way. Damian also played 45 minutes. He was on the floor pretty much all day long. Uh, Shahade Wells and Jacoby Coles chipped in 12 apiece. Chuck O'Bannon with 10 points. Uh, you're going to need more from guys like Shahade Wells. Damian Ball now becomes your kind of lead guard as your scorer. Emmanuel Miller is going to have to be somebody 
that steps up and plays some big minutes from you for you and gets you some scoring. Um, so we'll see how this plays out. I think this team can win some games without Mike on the floor, but you're missing a huge scoring effort. Now, also part of the problem was on Saturday, they just didn't come out with a lot of energy. They fell behind 6 nothing. I think they were down 9-3 to when Mike went down. I mean, they just weren't getting after it on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and when you play with low energy, you can get beat. I mean, it doesn't matter who you play. Mississippi State's not a great basketball team, but they're at home. You know, they're getting after it. They're trying to get it done. You can't just sleepwalk through the first 10, 15 minutes of a basketball game. And they've done that too often this year. It's really confusing to me for a veteran group how often they've come out flat at times. Have to respond better against West Virginia tonight. I feel like they can beat West Virginia this evening, who they play at 8 o'clock tonight, even though they got waxed by the Mountaineers, you know, on the road in Morgantown. Um, I think even with the injuries they have, if you can get out in transition, if you can play good defense, then you can get a victory over West Virginia at home. And you got to stack up as many wins as you can now. I feel like if, if Mike's out for a week or two, you know, we were talking about Big 12 championship and all that. I'm not, I really don't even know if that's realistic at this point. Um, if Mike misses three or four Big 12 games, but if you can find a way, you know, your schedule is, is softening up a little bit. West Virginia tonight, then on the road at Oklahoma State, always tough to go to Stillwater, but they're not a great team this year. Then Kansas State on the road, and then Baylor at home. So in, in that four-game stretch or five-game stretch, could you go three and two? Could you even go two and three? Can you just sort of save face without Mike on the floor? They're going to need great effort from everybody, a team effort to get this done. But I think it's possible. It starts tonight against West Virginia. Have to play good defense. Have to find a way to get out and run because I'm concerned about this team scoring in half-court sets without Miles on the floor. However, I don't think this is necessarily the end of the world. You just have to find a way to survive. Make sure you're still, you know, looking good for the tournament in a good position seating-wise. And then once you're fully healthy, hopefully you can make a run again. Overall, though, really positive news as far as the MRI being clean. That looked like it could have been a season-ender when Mike went down. And so the fact that he's, you know, able to function and move around and hopefully can rehab and get back quickly, um, that's a huge deal for TCU basketball. Significant news that he's going to be able to play at some point this season. We'll see what that timetable ends up being. When we come back, uh, Jaden Rashada had an unofficial visit at TCU this weekend. Signing day is tomorrow. So we'll talk about that next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of Locked On Network. It's your team every day. Okay, final thing for you. Um, so early signing day happened in December. Second signing day coming up here in February. And it really appears like there's two two guys to watch tomorrow for TCU to see whether or not they sign. One is Warren Robinson, the safety from Red Oak. He committed to TCU. I believe it was actually on Halloween. He did a video with Frogs today. He did not sign in the early signing day. All the other commits did. And so, you know, Texas has been recruiting him heavily. Um, some other schools have reached out. Now you're kind of in a toss-up. My guess is, I don't know. We'll see what Warren does. He's going to sign tomorrow. I think he, I don't think he ends up being a frog. And I don't have all the reasons for that. But the fact that he didn't sign on early signing day, the fact that he's looking around, it makes me think that even though he's committed to DCU, he's trying to find another situation for him that best suits what he wants to do. And, you know, this is recruiting. Sometimes you miss out on guys. Um, you, it, it just happens. Best of luck to him. I just don't expect him to be a TC Horn Frog tomorrow. We'll see, though. He's expected to sign tomorrow. Jaden Rashada, 
the situation is still strange. Um, so he doesn't necessarily have to sign tomorrow. They, you can make a decision up until April. So he's got some time here. I think given the fact that he made a visit to TCU this weekend, that Kendall Bryles met with him earlier in the week, if he does sign with TCU, I feel like there's a good chance it would be tomorrow. But we'll see how this plays out. He and his family, you know, they have time. They're kind of weighing through this process. They they sort of got burned with a Florida deal. So, understandably, they are, you know, kind of doing their due diligence with this. But he does have, he does have an opportunity to sign the dotted line tomorrow. So, hopefully it would be TCU. They did get the last kind of unofficial visit, which is significant. We'll have signing day coverage tomorrow and more. This is Locked On Horn Frogs. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, and we do.